Content in this episode may be graphic or triggering. Please take care while listening. Welcome back to the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast. Family, I know you guys will not believe this, but this is our 13th episode. We've been doing this now for 13, a whole 13 episodes, guys. Look, and it feels like we just started this whole thing. So I'm proud of what we've done. I'm proud that we've made it this far because, hey, we are just really getting started. Is that right, fun partner? <laughs> 13 episodes. Funny. I mean, it does feel like we're just getting started, but it also feels like episode 300 because, you know, we got full-time jobs and part-time jobs and this exactly. is another part-time job. Exactly. And it's like, oh, yeah. like only episode 13, but it's pretty cool. It's, um... It's been really awesome to just see all of the feedback, all of the reviews. We are really enjoying it. So I, I'm excited for what's to come, all the guests to come, and super excited about our guest tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess tonight is going to be... spoiled lately. <laughs> right, I know. It's been, this has been a wild ride for me too, Bonnie. You know, look, I'm, I'm, I can't say no to anything. I hadn't said no to anything, but I'm enjoying... No, it, it does feel good that we still get a little bit of FaceTime together because, look, we've we've been through a lot these past five years. And, uh, of course, we're not helping to see it in. So I'm glad we finally put the foot down and decided that, hey, we're going to do this podcast because, look, it gives us a little bit more time together and we get to meet to some amazing, amazing, amazing right? people. That's what I love. One is normally by this time when we're off season, I'm super missing you. And we'll talk, but we don't really get a lot of the FaceTime. And now I just don't miss you at all because I see. <laughs> We'd be see mad at each other talking about, God damn it, Chris. <laughs> Wait, lately hasn't been a little with dealing with technology and stuff. I'm like, Chris, oh, I wish you lived right here so you could just come in and fix this for me. Um, but that and yes, absolutely. Us being able to pick people we want to interview and talk to mm. them about things going on. And this week we have another author who also has a podcast. So very exciting stuff. Do you want me to go ahead and introduce him now? Because he's sitting here waiting and ready. I know, I know. We're talking <laughs> like he, like he's not here. Look, guys. Yeah, Fatima, you go ahead. Since you you were the one that got uh, our guest on, I would love for you to introduce. All right. Well, everyone, tonight we have a super special treat. It's interesting how on Instagram you can you meet these people, you start to follow, you start to admire them and their work. And they're just so personable that you almost feel like you know them, like they've mm -hmm. become your friend. It's a lot like our fans to us because fans DM me, I respond, and a lot of fans have become like friends of mine, but I've never <laughs> met them. This is one of those people, if you DM him, he responds. And then right. I kind of freak out and get excited because he's a little personal hero of mine. And I just can't help but think, this is, it's so weird. It's like a parasocial relationship. Like we don't really know each other, but we know each other and you know, it's awesome. So I'm so excited to introduce, he is known as Los Wit on Instagram, L-O-S-W-H-I-T. His name is Carlos Whitaker and Carlos is joining us tonight from his home in Nashville, Tennessee. Carlos is an author, speaker, storyteller, bringing hope to humans all over the world by cultivating spaces where people are free to engage in genuine dialogue and do good together. And that's honestly the best way to describe it. He just engages people in genuine dialogue. He speaks from the heart. So welcome, Carlos, to the Crime and Cookies podcast. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> a wonderful introduction. I, I'm, I literally... Ever since we started talking about this, Fatima, like, like it, it's been, it's been like, I can't believe this is really happening. Like I've been on, I've been on 17 podcasts the last week. Okay. So the last week, cause I'm like, I'm, I'm in like book launch mode. Right. And Fatima, like I was like, this was the one, like, I, like, I just kept seeing it on the calendar. It's coming. <laughs> I get to like hang out with you two because it's, it's just so different from anything that I've done before. So I just appreciate you. Let me uh, talk to your people. This is a lot. Wow. Yes. That's so cool, man. Look, bro, it is good to have you on this podcast, man. Fatima always turns me on to just great things. And she turned me on to your book. And then when I started hearing about who you were, tuned in to a couple of podcasts and then started really, really in, indulging myself into what you're putting out there, bro. I love it, man. You keep Thank doing you. it, man. Yeah. Listen, try, try everyone. Hard. Carlos <laughs> puts out positivity. That's what it's all about. And that's what we need more of. That's what Chris and I are always about. And we have a lot in common. Carlos speaks a lot about his faith 
And that is something that Chris and I have not shied away from on the show, on the podcast. Chris and I both are, are raised in the faith. We are both believers. And that is a big part of why we are so committed to social justice and why we're so committed to wrongful convictions and doing reasonable doubt and what we do now. This is a podcast. We talk a lot about crime. And yes, we talk a lot about bourbon and we'll get into that briefly. But it's not to just indulge uh, in the crime that's happening around us. It's not to instill any more paranoia, anxiety, depression. And I hope that our listeners don't go away with that. We have a lot of listeners who say that this helps them a lot because as we're talking about crime and we're talking about things that have happened, we're also talking about mental health. We're also talking yeah. about the best thing to do when you have to consume this information because let's be honest, you can't not consume it nowadays. You can open up your social media to try to have an escape and a laugh but you're going to see everything that's happening in the world right now. And it is heavy, very yeah. heavy. And so Carlos is this light on social media that decides to address the difficult conversations, but also give us hope. And that's what he does in his latest book. He said he just last launched a book. And yes, it's been like a week, Carlos. Yeah, seven days tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Man. And I saw today, it's already, you already have to go back into reprint for the third time. The third reprint. I, I, wow. I, mind blowing. Pretty excited. That's awesome, amazing. Man. The book is called How to Human Three Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. I'm a huge fan of Carlos and his other books, and I'm a really big fan of this book. I'm beyond halfway through it, and I'm enjoying it. This is why I wanted you on this podcast, is because. There's a lot of ways in which Chris and I, we're very different. We yeah. both work in the justice system. Chris has a background as a police officer, homicide detective, and I've always had the background as a criminal defense attorney. One thing you will never see are those two people working together. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Especially unless, as, as well as she and I work together, man. Fatima is a right. really fun person to be around. I know her heart. I know how she feels. I know how driven she is for social justice issues. And I'm driven the same way, but we just come from different sides of the field. And then we want to talk to you about that because I think that you can add a lot to this conversation. But before we get into that, mm. we have a little bit of good use to talk about. So, hey, Carlos, since you are our special guest tonight, I would yes. love to know what kind of cookie juice did you bring in with you? So I'm a big, this is my favorite cookie juice, my favorite really? one. Literally, it is the one that if I, if I find it, it's hard to find the bottle. And mm -hmm. if you find it, I, I buy as many as I can and just keep them stocked up. But it's the Woodford, Woodford Reserve Double Double Oaked. Now, most people have heard the Double Oaked, which is good. But this has been Double Double Oaked. It's been oaked twice. And right. it just is so smooth. And and it, I was so excited when. When y'all, when my wife said, "Hey, you, you gotta bring your bourbon down in the basement and like talk to them about what it is," I was like, "Oh my gosh, can I drink the good stuff tonight?" She's like, "You can drink the good stuff tonight." So yeah, that that's it. That that's what I like to drink. Cheers. Yeah. Oh man, that's good, that's, man. That, that, that is that, a real good one. That's a so real we good actually, one. Uh, tell them, Chris, who who do we know whose dad is a creator of Woodford Reserve? Oh my. So goodness. there's a gentleman by the name of Wes Henderson. He is one of my favorite people that we've interviewed this this season uh, with the podcast. And man, he's just such a down to earth dude, man. I mean, when we met and we reached out to him and asked him, would he come on? Because Angel's Envy is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. He and his wow. father were the creators of Angel's Envy. Wow. He told us a lot about, but he also worked with Woodford Reserve. Yeah. So, uh, but he told us a lot about Angel's Envy and how he came up with the name. It's just a real interesting conversation, man. Really cool that. guy. And you he's know, a death I, investigator. And he's oh, a no death way. investigator. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That that is amazing. Well, you know, living in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm about an hour and a half from the bourbon trail. Yeah, and man. So so whenever people come here, uh, if they come here for like three days and they're friends of ours, we always go up to the bourbon trail and we hit up, you know, we hit up Buffalo Trace, we hit we hit up Woodford, we hit up Four Roses, and we just kind of go down and make a day of it. Oh, and uh, so yeah, I'm like a big, big, big bourbon guy. So I was so uh, we're coming. We Let's, we're let's, planning let's, the bourbon trail. Yeah, Chris okay. has been planning. I okay. want to join. Well, Wes said, said he would meet us, right? Oh, yeah. okay. um, and and so like we'll get like all the gang drinking right. some bourbon. I, that would right. be exciting. I love Four Roses. That's my oh, jam. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love Angel's Envy. Yeah. Um, 
So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah really I really am. Cool. Okay. I'm excited about mine tonight. It's really good blender, bourbon oh, blender oh. on. And so she was teaching us how to describe bourbon better. Because okay, Chris so and I I'm always. Gonna, I'm, I ain't going to use smooth no more. What am I using? Tenants. What is it, because Chris? It's, it's the tenants. Yeah. It opens the up tenons. the tenants. That's what makes it smooth. Because okay. real bourbon blenders, they hate to hear it. And I didn't know this. Oh, they hate okay. to hear the word smooth. That's oh, what she told tenons. us. Okay. <laughs> Tenons, bro. My tenons are yeah, right, right. right now. So I have a really cool one tonight I'm excited about. Huh? I've been trying. I wasn't a big bourbon person until meeting Chris and years ago uh -huh. when we started Reasonable Doubt. So I keep trying new ones. And a friends just keep giving my husband different whiskeys, which is really cool. That's great. Tonight I have, look how pretty this bottle. It's called Nika Whiskey from the Barrel. And it's a Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskey. Whoa, it's it's Japanese. It's kind of almost like a this Japanese blend, it was made in the U.S. in 2018, but it's actually been around over 30 years. Blended by Nika Whiskey Distilling Company, a Japanese whiskey. And it, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, okay. It's sweet. I like it. So we got to try to make oh, it. Oh, and I have to tell you about my glass because last time, Chris, I told you this is a friend. So here in Oakland, where I, where I live, yeah, San Francisco yeah. Bay Area. One of my husband's friends found out we had this podcast and said they do glass blowing. And so they oh, created this oh. company. It's a glass blowing company. And this is a small little whiskey glass. Mm. And so, Chris, I know you wanted to know the name. Follow them on Instagram. I'm going to get you on, no partner. It's called Sip in the Wild. I'm Sip sorry, Sipper, Sipper in the Wild. Sipper in the Wild. Sipper in the Wild and beautiful glass blowing. So that's this little gorgeous whiskey glass here that's amazing. all right shouts out to sipper in the wild uh Shout detective out. chris anderson is so jealous of his partner having a blown glass <laughs> for her whiskey that is fancy that, is, that fancy. is fancy it looks really really nice too it looks good all right what are you so, drinking, Chris? all right here it is so look you know, tonight is a very special night it's one of those nights where we bringing out the big guns so carlos just for you bro I brought out the big guns. Oh, okay. This is a bottle of Eagle Rare, and it oh, is wow. a 10-year-old bottle when I purchased it. Eagle Rare, especially here in the South, and you know how hard it is to find certain bourbons. Oh, it's it extremely, extremely hard to find for me. Maybe some of these other bigger cities, you know, I'm just from Birmingham, Alabama, so yeah. I have to go to Atlanta or I have to go to Tennessee to find me some good, good bourbon. Yeah. Which is where I got this one from. Some of my friends took the bourbon trail. They did it without me. Oh, and good. I hope they're, 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 they're going to be listening to this. I'm going to save their names, but they know exactly who they are. They went up through the bourbon trail uh, just on a whim. And then they brought me, they called me back and said, hey, hey, we on the bourbon trail, Chris. Is there anything that you would like? I said, where are you going? <laughs> What's your cash app? So, so they bought a bunch of different bottles. I ordered a bunch of different bottles. They stopped by the Uncle Nearest shop. And uh, yeah. I think they got this one from uh, off the trail also. Okay. But it's a 10-year-old bottle. When you put a little ice in there, it really opens up the tenons on the liquor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is not one of those spicy liquor liquors, but it is smooth on the front end, very caramel and sweet on the back end. You'll love it. If you're a Woodford man, you would love this Eagle Rare. I'm Here. in. I am in. And you know what? When I find me a bottle, let me just let you know, I'm going to buy two. One for you too, Chris. That's what I'm talking oh. about. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I'm <laughs> glad awesome. somebody is on this I podcast. I'm a, yeah, I'm on your side. <laughs> Sweet or spicy, Chris, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. It's a little spicy on the front end, just a little bit. But yeah. on the back end, it's a lot of sweets. A lot of sweets. Mm -hmm. so, and I know that you the sweet and spicy gal. She loves she sweet. loves a sweet and spicy type. Well, of I like bottle. when it goes down sweet, but then it's like a little spicy in my a chest. A little spicy in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm growing some hair on my chest. <laughs> you kind of got to kind of like make that that pace for a second <laughs> yeah. until it gets down. Yeah. Oh, Martin Lars. Yeah. Speaking yeah, yeah. right of, I actually wanted to show you, Carlos. I wore this sweatshirt tonight. I know I look dressed down, but I actually dressed uh -huh. up for you and wore this sweatshirt. I was like, what do I want to wear for Carlos tonight? So this is uh -huh. the sweatshirt from the Happy Givers. I don't yeah, know if you know about them. I do. I absolutely I love them and Pastor Carlos. Um, but this shirt, if, if y'all can't see, it says love thy neighbor, love thy immigrant neighbor, love thy black neighbor, love thy Muslim neighbor. And the list goes on and on. Yeah. And I think of you. That's why I put this on because you are all about 
you have the foundation of faith and the teachings of Jesus. Yes, uh-huh. y'all, we're going to talk a little bit about that in this okay. podcast, but okay. we know a lot of our followers are faith-based. And we're going to talk about basically how when you are a follower of Jesus, whether it's the historical figure right. or as your heavenly father, how that is a great connector and how based on those teachings, you do need to love others regardless of their race, their background, economic status, whatever it may be, how important that is um, to connect with your brother despite your opinion. So tell us a little more about that and why you wrote How to Human. Yeah, you know, How to Human, it really came out of... um... Uh, just the last three years of kind of collective trauma that the human race has experienced, mm-hmm. you know, over the last few years, like we not ain't one person on planet earth been through a pandemic before. And so we all did it together for the first time. And when, when we did it, what, what I felt like is like 2020, we got real good at hating each other. We got real good at like othering each other, dehumanizing each other, all the things. And to be honest with you, like, it felt kind of vindictive. Like, like we're like, you know what? Like, yeah, they're going to get theirs because what I believe is right. you right. And so like suddenly there's all this division and like separation. And to be honest with you, that year was kind of like when my platform began to begin to grow because I can begin to teach on kind of the black experience. And well, you know, as the son of an immigrant, a black Afro Latino who came to America, just kind of a different perspective and so, I, you know, I, I was uh, I was kind of in the middle of that conversation in 2020. But then I'll tell you what, 2021, as I began to travel around and speak, the, the more I realized that I, I think around middle of 2021, people started getting real tired of hating each other. And uh, and so, like, I, I begin to, you know, as I'm traveling, speaking, going like, man, people, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if people want to keep doing this. And so I just said, you know what, I'm maybe I'm going to write a guide that's going to help people with coming back together, coming, even if you vehemently disagree politically, socioeconomically, whatever your opinion is, we can still not only like stand each other, but we can like have intimate, close relationships with each other and do this human thing well. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, to your, to your question of, of Jesus and uh, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and I say it in the beginning of the book, but I also say in the beginning of the book, because like you, I have a lot of people that follow me that don't share the same faith as I do. So I wanted to write a book that invites everybody in. So I, so I say at the beginning, I said, you, you can believe in Jesus like I believe in Jesus, like he's the son of God, that whole thing. And you're going to get a lot of this book. But if you just believe in Jesus, like, I don't know, like Gandhi or Mother Teresa or just like a historical figure, you're going to get the exact same thing about, from this book because the book is about his humanity, not his divinity. And so when, when, when I took that and I just started saying, all right, let, let's just look at what, what he did. I mean, what well, the church calls him, you know, everyone's like, Jesus is the way it's like, all right, let's see church, how you stack up against what he did. And the more I study, I did, the more I realized, oh man, there, there's, there's a lot of churches that are screwing up and hurting people. And right. so why don't I be the guy that, I mean, if I could tell you the amount of people that DM me and say, Carlos, you are the last Christian that I follow. You are the only Christian that I follow because they are a bunch of hypocritical, all these things. And I'm like, well, it's because they're not following the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, so how to human, right? Like, like I, I, I take, I take the nine, if you, if you don't uh, have a Bible, like the nine fruits of the spirit. And, and this is what I say, like, I mean, this is it. This is how you human ready. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You do that, I promise you things are going to begin to recover in your life. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, those are great things to apply in your life. And so, yeah. But it's so hard. It's so hard to do. For my background, the reason I even became a defense attorney, right? Um, it's, It's interesting because I get a lot of people go, how do you sleep at night? How do you do that? And I always do, I, I'm honest. And it's yeah. like, well, I was raised in the church where social justice was big. I remember volunteering yeah. a lot. And then I went to a college, shout out to St. Mary's College of California. It's a Lasallian social justice college. And it was enter to learn, leave to serve. Mm. And it was all about social action. And so it's kind of followed me through my whole life with the foundation of that was what Jesus preached, right? Yeah. Feed the poor, the oppressed, befriend the accused. And so often, especially in the church, too, there's these cliques and you get people who are, um, you know, oh, you're just so perfect and you want to appear so perfect from the outside. And 
that's not really what it's about. It's about being uncomfortable, not comfortable. And so that's what really, and Chris and I will say this all the time for people who watch our show, for people who follow us, this isn't a job for Chris and I. I'm not a criminal defense attorney just as a, as a job. And Chris isn't a homicide detective as a job. We call it our ministry oh, because both good. of us believe that we are following a calling, no matter how yeah. much we try to, because trust me, Chris and I have tried to <laughs> pick, this, right? take other paths, right? <laughs> Ones that maybe aren't so hard, so heavy, um, because this is heavy and it does wear on us. But the only reason we do it is because we truly believe in justice. Yeah. And something I loved, Chris, that Gilbert King said last week, we got to interview a Pulitzer Prize winning author, Gilbert King, who wrote some fantastic books and has a great podcast right now. He's fighting for a gentleman who's accused of basically he's he's wrongfully convicted. He was accused of murdering his wife, convicted. And he said social justice and fighting for somebody who's been wrongfully convicted, that there's no political agenda there. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat. Mm -hmm. You are you are fighting for justice and that has no agenda. And I love that because that's Chris and I. That's how we can come together. Yes. Yeah. That's how all your listeners can come together, because that's not a red thing or a blue thing. That's Mm -hmm. not a a Christian thing or a Muslim thing. That's a human thing. That's a human thing. That's That's right. Human thing. And it is a reflex and a reaction that is inside of all of us. You know, I talk about in the book, I, I talk about how like we all have that human reaction to rescue. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 the book starts off with a story where I'm like, I was getting my haircut. I was like five years old and we, me and my mom saw a kidnapping actually happen in the mall. We mm-hmm. saw a dude running with a little kid that wasn't his and we saw a lady screaming, chasing after him. And then I saw like a black guy, a white guy, a Italian guy, a rich guy, a poor, all chase after this guy at the same time, tackle the guy and, and the cops came the whole thing. They didn't have like a, a meeting before mm-hmm. uh, they started running. They didn't say, hey, uh, can you tell me who you voted for before we go uh, get, get the kid? No, exactly. it was a human reflex inside of all of them. And that's what I think we're, we need to continue to try to dig out because it's there. It's just maybe buried under a few years of way more content than we were ever created to consume, way more opinions than we were ever created to hear. But I think it's there. There's a huge message in what you just said. And, and it, to break it down and make it as simple as possible, we can do so much more together. Yes. If we just sit down and work together, yeah. if we're all rowing in the same direction, we can get so much more done, man. So I love the story. Love the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chris, you've taught me that so much too, because I come in oftentimes when we were doing the show in the end, Carlos, like Chris and I have to agree on whether or not we're going to help somebody, whether or not we believe they are wrongfully convicted. Like you guys decide that. Yeah. Together. Okay. We have to come to terms together. So we both look at the evidence together and we decide, look, we think this person could be wrongfully convicted. We don't know for sure, but we want to help them. We want to leave them with an investigator, an attorney, appeals lawyer. But we have to have a meeting of the minds. And there are so many times where I do get distracted as a defense attorney because my job is not normally about um, making sure the person's actually innocent. It's just about defending them zealously, right? So Chris would give me that reminder is, you know, is this person actually wrongfully convicted because they're innocent? Let's talk about that. Let's look at that. What's it pointing to? And there would be times we'd have to have some difficult conversations. He's coming from one side. I'm coming from the other. I understand that he's had to hold families who, after he finds a victim and he goes through all that, letting families know, I'm going to put this person behind bars who did this to your child, to your loved one. And that's a tough job. And on the other hand, I have to hold the hands of families who are afraid that their loved one's going to be taken away forever, that that's it, their life is ruined. Mm-hmm. And so we both have an interest in justice and doing right by people and family, but we are coming from two different sides mm-hmm. and our agendas do tend to, you know, sneak yeah. in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we would have to come together and to he and I alone four seasons together would do that. And it always felt right. It always felt like we yeah. were in one mind, one accord, but it was yeah. difficult to do. And all it yeah. takes is sitting down, yes. having conversations. Yes. Having dialogue where you can try to connect because it's not going to be easy. And so many times it wasn't. I would say, I got to get up. I need a breather. I'm just too involved. I'm, yeah. Yeah. And Chris is Chris is very even keel. I love that about my brother. He is so he'd just be like, what now? You go take as many breaths you got to take. I'll be right here when you come back. Right and I'm here. like, 
It'd be like four. We'd be like four or five o'clock in the morning, man. And the yeah, about yeah. To come like up three and cookie juices like, in too. Right. Like I just gotta go to bed. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy, and that's. I guess that was my main question too. Sometimes I feel so uplifted when I watch your videos and I read a book like this, and then you walk out and there's somebody who's being a bigot or someone yep. who's just the human driving in front of you, and they've got a certain flag or something on the back of their car, and you're just like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what you guys are doing is you're modeling a phrase that I talk about a lot. And you've heard me, you've been in the Insta familia for a minute. So you hear me say it all the time that we walk don't stand away. on issues. We walk yeah. with people, right? We, we don't stand on issues. We walk with people. And so what you guys have to do, it, you know, because when the, the kind of the ethos of both of your um, callings sometimes will come up against each other because it's like, well, I mean, you got, you got a guy that's trying to like, you know, be there for this family and you may be defending another family, right? And so it's like, how do you do it? You don't stand on issues, you walk with people. And when you walk with people, that's the difficult part. That's the part you're talking about. Well, Carlos, this is great and sweet. You got a book, it says, don't stand on issues, walk with people. That's great on a t-shirt. Yeah. But how do I do that, right? right. Like, like, how do I actually do that? And I tell people all the time, you, um, you just have to get close. And that's the hardest part. It's so hard to hate somebody face to face. It's yeah. so hard to hate somebody when you can when you can smell their cologne or their perfume or they're like that close. And inevitably, when you get that close to somebody, they become human to you. And at that point, it's like, okay, well, may maybe it's not you that I hate. Maybe it's the idea that you represent that I hate. Right. And so right. suddenly you're able to now have deeper conversations. I say all the time, like people, you know, they my book is divided into three sections, be human, see humans, free humans. And the see human piece is like, people want to see people from like a mile away with like a telescope or binoculars. It's like, well, I can see them. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how you do this. Like you, if you keep doing that, you're, you're never going to get to the stand on this. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people. You have to get close. Proximity is what heals. Proximity is the thing that is going to get us there. And it's, you're right. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not a t-shirt. It's not something that's easy to do. That's why I had to write a freaking book because right. there, there's more to it than just the catchphrases. Right. And yeah. so like it, you got to put handlebars on it. You have to get uncomfortable and you have to risk something of your own in order to rescue a relationship. And so, you know, for me, I, um, man, there, there's a guy here in Nashville that just moved to town. He's got like 2 million Twitter followers. This man is like, I'm telling you, like the meanest human being I've ever met. Like he is mm -hmm. horrible on Twitter, right? Like, and I follow him, even though we vehemently disagree politically and all these other things, I follow him because I'm like, I want to know what the enemy is thinking, right? I think to myself, like, yeah. that's why I follow him. Well, I happen to run into that dude at a sushi restaurant. And when I'm at that sushi restaurant, I am, my wife is like, why are you freaking out? I was like, oh my gosh, do you never believe this dude? Like that dude, he's so mean. I follow him on Twitter. She's like, all right, Mr. Don't Stand on Issues, Walk with People, go pay for his meal. I was like, excuse me? Oh, like, she's like, no, you, you say it all the time. That, like, go ahead, practice what you preach. And I was like, no, no not that guy. Because that guy, no, you don't understand. That guy is everything I disagree with. She's like, yeah, then that's the guy you're supposed to. Right. So I kind of take a couple deep breaths. I walk up to him. And uh, I'm like, hey, my name's Carlos. And immediately, like, you could tell he thought I was a fan. Uh, yeah. because he's got, And I was like, I just need to let you know, like, I don't, I don't agree with anything you say. And his wife starts dying laughing, right? I go, but I, I also know you're new to town. And I just want to say, like, welcome. Like, welcome to Nashville. You know, I here's, you know, you probably want to go to dinner here. Gave him a couple recommendations. And then I left and I told the waitress, let's pay for his meal. Well, later that night, the meanest dude on the internet tweets out, you'll never believe what happened tonight. This, you know, bleepity bleep voting, whatever, all the adjectives that he used for me, uh, walks up to me and introduces himself his name's carlos uh, he didn't tell me his last name but he he was so kind to us and and he disagrees with everything i say and he paid for my meal i can't believe he paid for my meal it was so kind so carlos whoever you are thank you so much for giving me hope and humanity again and i just think yeah. to myself there it is like I, mm -hmm. it, it cost me 60 dollars. but no. there's this guy who's the meanest man on the internet that literally said the nicest thing i've ever heard him say in three years of following him about me why was that because i didn't stand on an issue i walked with people and i think that's the piece it's not complicated wow. but we have to but do it you also said something that's really important there you you restored his hope in humanity yes which means 
he's angry and he is unhappy because he's losing hope in humanity. And that's Mm -hmm. a lot of us. That's a lot. When we are working with wrongful convictions, I -hmm. get so angry Mm -hmm. when we turn on the news and another young person has died at the hands of the police. I get so angry when women are abused and murdered by men that they, I get so angry and I go to a place where I start to lose hope in humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because this is what I do for a living. And I I want to stay hopeful and I want to keep the fight up. And the moment you start to lose hope, you're not going to keep fighting for something you believe in. You're just going to say, well, this is the way the world is. And you know what? No matter what I do, I'm not going to change anything. But Mm -hmm. I just don't believe that. I do believe that even if it's one small person, one little deed like you did, you know, paying for his dinner or just loving on people when they're angry. Sometimes I get people some of our followers and they're so loyal and amazing, but they're going to disagree with things. And I get some who are just really angry that I don't believe in the death penalty. And I will just have dialogue with them about, "Mm, you know, it's really economic reasons. And I live in California, so we pay a lot to keep this facility running when nobody's actually getting executed, but we won't go there or bail reform or whatever it may be. Right. Um, the, the inequality and obviously black and brown men in prison versus Mm -hmm other individuals right Right, and so people will end up in my dms and they'll want to have these conversations and they'll be angry about it well why do you think that way and why do you believe and it takes a lot but i will say look this is somebody who they follow me for a reason they follow Mm -hmm. me it means we've connected somehow we do have something in common and it is likely they want to see justice they want to see that the people who are doing time and behind bars are people who have actually committed a crime Yep. And so if they are people who can say, oh, I don't want to see anybody innocent behind bars, then we can connect on that Absolutely. and we can have a, a good dialogue in other areas. And I know, Chris, you got to do this all the time. And Chris, it's a little different for you. And I haven't even asked you this week. We haven't had a chance to have this conversation. But, you know, right now we have the Tyree Nichols, mm. you know, situation going situation. Yeah. I mean, let's just say what it is. This young man it's was murdered. He was murdered at the hands Mm -hmm. of five police officers who also happened to be black. Mm -hmm. I got to ask, brother, how are you dealing with that this week? Is there Mm -hmm. is there conversation in your DMs? Like, how are you feeling? Absolutely. There have been conversations. I don't know if you know this about me or not, Carlos, but I'm an instructor at a college along with, you know, of course, I'm the chief of police there also, but I'm I'm an instructor, too. And this entire week um, since this murder happened. My students have been asking me, how has it affected me and what can we do? Because most of the kids that I teach, they're future police officers, they're future lawyers there. And it's tough. It it really is tough. It's always been tough to be black and in law enforcement, especially here in the South. And you can understand Uh the history that we have with law enforcement. it's, It's never been good. But I've always saw myself as I need to carry this. I know what I wanted to do. I know the reasons why I went into this profession. And I realized that I have, it's a greater haul for me. So knowing that and knowing that the 28 years now that I've been into this, I've been in this profession to see it happen the way that it happened just this past week to this young man, it's disheartening, extremely disheartening uh, to hear and see that it happened. There are some things that happened on the surface that we just don't see in a lot of uh, prosecutions. And I won't get into that because these men deserve what they got. They deserve to be arrested. They deserve to be fired. Uh, Because now not only have you damaged the relationship between law enforcement officers across the country, you've damaged the relationship from an entire race. Because now I have to explain to my kids And I call my students, my kids, I have to explain to my students, my young kids, um, that this, this doesn't happen on a daily basis. This isn't something that I would ever allow to happen when I was working the streets. But when they have these computers and they can carry in their pockets all the time and they see it, this internet has made this planet so much smaller. They seem to think that it happens every day. It's hard to explain it to them. It's hard to to get more of them interested in the field because, look, the only way we're going to change is from the inside. You can create as many reforms and as many 
new laws as you want to, but the way that you change something is from the inside. We've got to have people that go into the profession with a different type of mindset. Yeah. That's the way that we're going to begin to have some change in the profession. Wow. But it's extremely disheartening to hear. It's been, it's been tough for me. Do you think it is a law enforcement issue? It's, it's rooted in the departments. I don't think so. I don't think so, because if it, if it was something that was rooted in the departments, then it would be happening on a daily basis. There are multiple incidents or, or times where law enforcement officers could completely overstep their boundaries. I mean, literally thousands of, of incidents where they could, and it doesn't happen. So that, to me, makes me believe or understand that this is an issue with certain people. And this is an issue with people that are not willing to say something in the face of wrong. Uh, even if it is your friend, even if it is somebody that you work with, you know, wrong is wrong. Mm. What they did to that young man was wrong. It was in extremely wrong. And someone should have stepped in before it even got to that point. Do you think it is an issue of they're not holding one another accountable and their egos are getting in the way. They're angry in the moment. This person was trying to run from them. I think it's a, it's angry in the moment more so more often than not. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a lapse of judgment that happens in the moment. So yeah, I, I don't think that it's, you know, look, we've had a lot of these incidents that happen and each one of them, I can talk about specific times where something should have happened. There should have been someone on that crime, on that scene that said, look, stop, just, just get in. Get, I got him. Give me him. There's been plenty of times where like I supervised one of, I won't say they were aggressive group of guys, but they were some guys that we went out at the worst of the worst. And I'm not talking about your traffic guys, you know, the guys that are out burglarizing houses. No, everybody that we went after they were murderers. They were robbers. They were people who had just committed the worst crime in humanity. And never, we have never gotten a complaint of excessive force. That's because we teach and we talk and we talk and we would have meetings beforehand. If you feel things are getting out of place, we had a, a policy that, look, if you see your partner and he's got a guy that's giving him a bunch of back talk or tried to run on him and you see it getting a little bit over overly aggressive, you tap him out. You you have to tap him out. Tap him out, bring somebody else in and let cooler heads prevail. I mean, it's it's simple. It was a simple, simple policy. Now before I took over that unit, they had plenty of complaints coming in. Plenty. But when your leadership sets a standard and your men follow, Mm. You can have a unit like that that exists in every department across the country. And this is a good example of why a book like this is just so important for us right now, because a lot of people are so angry and different people taking different stands. You still have the people who are like, well, defund the police altogether. Mm -hmm. And it's a police issue. And then you have other people saying, well, Black Lives Matter, what happened? There's so much a discourse out there right now. And not just that, just hearts breaking, right? This mm -hmm. is another young man who cried out for his mom. Um, and the thought of that as a mother gets me every time. And mm -hmm. as somebody, Chris, you have a son, a black son. So I know you can connect on both sides, but how do you restore hope and faith in the people when it comes to the police? So good. Every, every interaction that you have with another human being is an opportunity to restore the faith. And you have to look at every interaction that you have as such. And it's not going to be something that happens overnight. You know, it can be damaged. In, in one incident, it can be damaged. But every law enforcement officer has to think about it. Every interaction that you have with another human being is That's an it. opportunity to change their mindset about you as a law enforcement officer and everybody else that wears that badge. And we've got to take We've got to take that into account. And I mean, no matter what this person has done, no matter what this person how this person lives, you have to think of it as such and act accordingly. It's not hard. It's not hard. And you're always that example, which is why I appreciate you having the tough conversations every time something like this happens, especially from your perspective, it's important. But you don't shy away from calling people out when they have the wrong policies or the wrong training or 
whether it's the way they handle an evidence crime scene or a situation like this and the way they handle arresting somebody. So I think it is really important that your voice is heard and that you do put it out there. And when you do your lives and you address these things, it even restores hope for me. I, that restored hope for me when you said that. Look, it, it's hard, man. It, it, it's hard to hear. It's hard to see. But we've got to have people that are willing to, to, to call it out. I have absolutely no problem with calling it out. Uh, and the only reason I haven't said anything before today about how my feelings towards it is because I knew we were going to do the podcast and I just didn't want to, you know, usually, you know me, usually I'm the one that I want to see the entire video. I don't have to see the entire video on this one. Right. This one, you you, you got to call it out right now. Those men, they murdered another man. Doesn't matter if he, what color he is, what you did to that man was murder. Mm. Uh, and now other law enforcement officers, me and my 28 years, guys with 50 years and the guys with one year, we'll have to carry the baggage that you've left behind. Every single call, every single time we go out on and talk to people. I got a woman right now that is accusing my man of, of harassment and she brings in this case to help further her statement to the leadership staff uh, at my college. I mean, these are the after effects of what these men did. You know, that's something that I have to care. I have to answer her questions. I'll contact her. And when I go in and I speak with her, I will always remember that, hey, this is an opportunity mm -hmm. to change the mindsets of one person. And changing that mindset of one will lead to two. And that two will lead to four. That four will lead to eight and so on. And that's the way we have to do it. I love that. Yeah. Because that that applies to so many things, right? I mean, even saying you're a Christian nowadays, people well, you know, was, people will say like, what kind of Christian? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm like non-denominational now. And, <laughs> you know, I grew up Pentecostal. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. woo, let me tell you, yeah. anybody knows Pentecostals, they are like, they, we're a little crazy. We're a little crazy. Y'all, Pentecostals, um, they love some Jesus, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they love some cookie juice, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I mean, for me, I don't fit in a box. And I've told my followers this. I'm not going to fit in your box. Mm -hmm. I am a, I am a brown girl from the Bay Area, California. I am the granddaughter of Latino immigrants. I'm a woman. I am a mother and I'm also Christian. And it, it's really difficult to just fit in a box. It's unfortunate. We do have to pick a box sometimes, right? We do have to pick a color. Are you red? Are you blue? And you may not stand on all those issues. And it's unfortunate because you're held to that. Well, you voted for this person. You associate with that person. It's like, not exactly. Not exactly. Um, but I'll admit, I do that to other people, right? You voted oh, for so-and-so. Sure. I'm associating you with that person. And it has caused so much division, especially the past few years. And like you said, I just have this fatigue from it where I just want to love on people regardless of where they come from, where they stand on any issue, because no. love is so much more powerful than it hate is it is and I, and I think you know hearing you and I really do appreciate everything that you shared Chris because you know I, I know you know it's it is it is hot right now it is yeah. touchy right now it is there's a lot of passionate opinions and I think mm -hmm. rightfully so there's a lot of people right. that are thinking about these things but what you said that I love is it, it, it's the whole getting close piece it's like every mm -hmm. interaction you have face to face mm -hmm. breath to breath with another human being is an opportunity for you to show hey look I, I am law enforcement and mm -hmm. I am a human and you trust me. Right. And they're like, right. yeah, I trust you. And it's like, wow. And then, so you get another one and another one. And just like you said, um, you know, uh, Fatima, the, the, even as, as like a Christian, right? Like I, like I said, there, every interaction I have with somebody and they're like, you're, you're a Christian. And I'm like, right. yeah. And suddenly they're like, oh, well maybe. And then they have another one and another. And so like, it, it's it, the way back the way back to humaning correctly is one interaction at a time. And so we, we, we want to feel like this is just going to be like snap our fingers and everything's no, it's going to be one interaction at a time multiplied over and over again. And I think we can start to rebuild some trust. Yeah. And you really do live that Carlos. I have to say, I want to use this example. So Martin Luther King day, which I just loved. Right. And because I was feeling I was feeling deflated that day. I thought like, it's another MLK day. We're all going to post our quotes. That's really going to change. 
that doesn't even make me feel good anymore, right? It's just there's there's got to be something else because everything we see on the news every day, I'm I'm in that worn out place, right? And the year is just beginning. It's like, man, I I need some more restoration than this. Seriously, it's and January. You, yeah, and you <laughs> came along and you were like, you know what? I'm gonna do something different today. And just so everybody knows, Carlos basically went to a Waffle House. I love Waffle House, by the way. When we're filming Reasonable Doubt, I would love to go to those nasty little Waffle Houses. Yeah, anyway, crazy. you walk into a Waffle House and you don't ask, where are you from? What's your name? What's your stance? How do you vote? Is the color of my skin offensive to you? And you don't ask any of those questions. You just say, what's your dream? What's your dream? What's your dream? The different people working at the Waffle House and the Walmart, and you asked them what their dream was. Those were the only questions you asked. And then you asked all of your followers, who Car Carlos calls all of his followers on Instagram, Insta Familia, which I love Familia. because it does feel like a familia. And you asked everyone to give what they could. I'm always giving to these things because it feels so good. It's so annoying, too. It's like, really, Tima, you just gave a little something, so now you feel good on MLK Day. Yeah, I did. I felt really good. <laughs> I was like, I did something. And it was so nice because I didn't know these people and right. I didn't know where they came from and how they voted and what their stance was on things. I don't know any of that. I don't know if they, you know, I wouldn't care if they had a criminal record, but some uh -huh. people would. Okay. Right. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, you just wanted to know their dream. And then you asked all your Insta familia to donate money to divide and give to these people for those dreams. And how much did you end up raising total? 24 hours, $144,000. Holy crap. Wow. And so everybody, because I, because I found, uh, eight people, um, you know, I mean, I just divided it up. Everyone got like $17,000 or something like that. And I, and I walked in the wow. next day and I was like, Hey, remember you said what your dream was? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, you got Venmo. And this is always my favorite part. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, open up your Venmo. And they're like, what? And then I, and then I say, all right, watch this, what's your Venmo? And then I just go on my phone and they don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden they see their Venmo balance go from like $5. I love that moment. $5. That is so cool. Like you see and they're like, is this for real? And, and I would I would be looking at you like, don't scam me, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't got time for the scam today. Just, so you know, what, what Waffle House was this? Uh, you know, so I can make sure <laughs> go, go that- Go get a job. Yeah, right on Nolensville Road here in Nashville, Tennessee. Waffle House uh, 210 is the that's Waffle cool, They're, they're like my friends now. And that, that's the beautiful thing about this is like, you know, this isn't just for the Insta Familia. This isn't just a give, a dine and dash, like a give and dash. Like, like they're in now. Like I I, I went there today. Like I, I saw uh, JR's um, or Jerry's car that she purchased with the wow. money. She was, she was driving she her, working. her husband's work truck. And now she's got her own Toyota Camry, like a 2018 oh, uh, Camry. She's got reliable transportation. Two of the waitresses that were living in extended stay hotels, they now have apartments that they live in with their kids, right? Like, it's just, and, and again, yeah, I'm not asking them what they, who they voted for or what they believe yeah. about a vaccine. Like, I'm just like, you're a human. You deserve to have a dream. What is it? You know, and, and, and there was even one. She was, you know, she was like the older kind of cranky one. I'll say she was barely. You were trying to have a conversation with her, and the younger ones were, you know, oh, what's my dream? And just entertaining you. And there was this one in the back. She's like, I ain't got time for this. So yeah, she's yeah, just she's barely like, answering you. She's kind of grouchy. Like I, I don't have time to dream. It, it's just a reminder that was somebody who just they had lost hope. She didn't yeah. have time to dream because she just oh. didn't have hope. And you basically restored that hope when you did come and, and give her that money and blessed her and her attitude completely changed. And it wasn't just because, oh, this person gave me money. It changed because you could just tell she was tired. She just didn't believe in, you know, humanity doing something like that. And you restored that hope. And that was a moment where it's like she could have just been this mean lady. Yeah. And you were still like, you use the the phrase in your book. I have to explain to listeners. Um, you say get in the chariot. So the reason I think this book is so good is you're not just telling people how we will all be better off if we connect. You're helping right. us understand how to better connect. That's really important. One thing you talk about is slowing down. I couldn't agree with you more. That's something I, I wish and I want to practice every day. Sometimes I say I just want to get out of the bay and move to the country somewhere and churn butter mm. and not have yeah. any internet access. I'll probably last a week, but in my mind, that slowing down, being yeah. present, it changes so much of your perspective on life. 
And one thing you explain in the book on how to see people, truly see people, is getting in the chariot. And so, of course, the chariot is based on scripture and it's about how God tells um, a person of a certain background to get in the chariot with somebody who's a total different background. Yeah. And as uncomfortable as that may be, they do it. And it's important because that leads to an opportunity of them connecting. And so I, I think about that now in terms of the one worker where you're trying to connect with her, she's not having it, but you basically were like, I'm getting in your chariot. I'm getting in the chariot. <laughs> I'm getting Get- in your chariot. You don't want me anywhere near your chariot right now. Yep. You don't want to slow down. You don't want to let anybody in. You're just focused doing your thing. And you're like, slow down. I'm getting in. And yeah. since then you pushed yourself into her chariot wow. and she's obviously very different than you are and had has had a different life and a different outlook on life. But now you've showed her, Hey, maybe there is some hope out there. Maybe there is some love that you can embrace from people. And it doesn't take, and it doesn't take $20,000. It literally can literally, it's just looking at somebody saying their name, right. asking yeah. them a couple questions about who they are every single day. I, I tell people all the time, when you're going through TSA, just say the TSA worker's name, read their name tag and say, thank you, Officer Williams. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, and yeah. I mean, don't look at you like, wait, did you just say Right. That? It's, right. it's like that you got in their chariot. Like, like that's all it takes, you know? So yeah, yeah. in the freaking chariot. There's an excerpt I want to read. Um, there's so much good stuff in this book. Oh. I'm like a nerd. Okay. This is the book I going to By the way. We have discovered, and I knew it. I just, I knew it. But we have discovered that Carlos is a Virgo also. Yeah. So the team Virgo here with Chris and I now extends to Carlos. I'm in. We, I knew it. I knew it, Carlos. Every time I see you on there, I told you one time, I feel like you're the male version of me. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) So many levels. And I was like, I bet this man's a Virgo. Just, you know, and and being a Virgo is exhausting. It is. because. We are, we love people. We really do. And we love the good in people. And we always, I mean, this is why I'm a defense attorney. I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. You can lie to me over and over and over again, but I'm going to forgive. And I want the court to forgive. I want the society to forgive you. There's this drive to want to heal people and the world. And so I saw that in you. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying the book. But something that I think stayed with me that you pointed out is something that we all have to understand right now. It's in, it's kind of toward the beginning of the book. You wrote this on your Instagram at one point, and you said, before a reaction to tragedy was hammering our thesis through our thumbs upon the six inches of LCD in our hands, before our reaction was preparing our essays as to who to blame for the world to see, before our reaction was getting our talking points from our favorite political pundit, before our reaction was to question those who mourn, before these phones made us a little less human, our human reaction was to sprint into the dust. Our human reaction was to link arms together. Our human reaction was to check on our neighbor. Our human reaction was to mourn with those who mourn. We had a human reflex of unity. It's an actual reflex inside us all, and it's still there, I promise. We just have to dig a little. You see, these phones aren't the problem. Our opinions aren't the problem. There were plenty of opinions in 2001. It's simply that those two mixed together in moments of crisis have made us a lot less human. So as we look back at 9-11, as we remember and mourn the loss, maybe we remember what it felt like to have a reflex to unite instead of divide, Mm -hmm. to heal instead of harm, to believe instead of blame, to hope instead of hate, to see instead of slander. It's in us. We just have to dig a little. That's good, man. Who wrote that? It's man, so good. Right? The guy Carlos Whitaker wrote it. I'll have to introduce you. So profound. <laughs> but that's something you wrote um, on the anniversary of 9-11. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's so true when you say things like that. You also point out when COVID first started, the way we were all united. Because yeah. we were. I remember painting a rainbow and putting <laughs> it in my window. And, you know, we're in this together. And I lived in this apartment complex in San Francisco. And every day at like 5 o'clock, we would open the windows and we would sing um, I left my heart in San Francisco oh, with like wow. something that everybody would do in San Francisco and you'd just be shouting to your neighbor across the way and you never even looked at them on the street and they've no. been in that window yeah. the whole time <laughs> and you've just ignored them and now suddenly you're like how are you do you need sugar yes. do you need a beer I have plenty too much of that um, but it's so true that in those times 
we came together and it yeah. didn't matter. Nobody across the nation cared about political party in that moment. And then the division it was, started. It was 17 and days of goodness. 17. Right? And it's been since then this division. Yeah. So I, I love this book and your teachings because it's a reminder that we can get back there. Yeah. Um, and it is like Chris said, you just have to be that one example. All yeah. it takes is that one. Is it? And yeah. that's you are that change on your platform, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's and my, the biggest thing that I've learned through communicating with people that don't uh, agree with me in whatever it is, is that no matter how angry somebody is at me, they have a hard time hating me when I open up my camera app in the, in the DMs when they were, they just blasted me and called me all sorts of names. And I record a 15 second video and I'm like, hey, 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 it's Carlos. I just, I just wanted you to see my face real quick. I do this all the time. I do this every day. You do? No, write me a paragraph. Like they don't even think I'm going to read it. And I'm like, and I just want to say like, like, I'm, I'm sorry if you feel like, like I'm, like I'm hurting you or if, if in some way, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. And I say that and listen, 9.99% of the time, these people not only, not, not only like retract, but they become some of my strongest followers they become some because right. why? because i saw them i i I saw, I, I saw i saw past their reaction to the trauma that is causing the reaction and so like mm -hmm. that is just the lesson it's like there's always more behind the story um that that you can get to and, and sometimes all it takes is like just look them in the eye and they don't when well, they're not expecting it you know so yeah, yeah. i get it and i appreciate it there a is lot. a lot that you have in common with people outside of just your gender and your race. And yes, um, you can find that common ground and you may not agree on everything, but that's part of what makes us all wonderful. We're all going to fight for what we believe in. We're going to stand up for things and you're going to have people on both sides, but it's about coming together, working together. Our show, Reasonable Doubt, was produced by a Jewish guy and it starred a black guy and a Latina who were on complete opposite sides of the criminal justice system. And Chris and I, we always tried to like see both sides, but our producer was very journalist, like mm. black, white, like oh, yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And so yeah. we would have to get him to realize empathy and compassion. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes when you are just about, let's just get to the facts of something. Yes. Let's just get to the point of something. You forget to have compassion and empathy in there. You forget this person has a story in this. This is why they feel this way. This right? is why they're coming from where they come from. So it's not about who's right. You mm. want to be so quick to be the one who's right. Yeah. But how about the opportunity you have along the way to actually just extend compassion? And yeah. that was something a lot of times we would do that on our show when we were telling someone, I'm sorry, you're your son murdered this person wow they did this and we would say it in such a way we would try to have so much compassion and empathy that afterwards the producers would be like what was that about you were Not just about. too nice you right. all were too nice this person just you needed to give it to them you needed to set them yeah. straight and i thought yeah. i have a whole paper here on points that i could be right about something right i'm an attorney i see the evidence here. Chris is a homicide detective. He can talk about all the ways this evidence is a slam dunk. But what this person needs right now is just understanding and love. And because the reality is all those things may not matter to them. Mm -hmm. All right. they know is they love someone who's behind bars and they want him free because they believe the best in them. Yes. And that person may be great now. That mm -hmm. That's the truth. There is also so many programs, amazing programs, including Jesus Behind Bars that I you know follow. Mm. Um, where people absolutely can be rehabilitated and restored. Yes. And and we're talking criminals. We're talking hardcore criminals, people. Yes, they can. Does that necessarily mean that they deserve to just be let out, especially huh. before they've done their time? Right. Even as a defense attorney, I'll say no, because right. that's just yeah. it. If they, if they did the crime, they're doing the time. And mm -hmm. if it was, you know, a fair sentencing, Mm. then all you can ask is for somebody to do that time to finish it out. And then that's justice when they're free or they're paroled. Hey, that's the right. justice system. That's right. it. Yep. Um, but that's why it, it, we try to put, and you preach this in the book, not preach it. You encourage, you teach sure. it compassion and empathy. And the only way 
we're going to have compassion and empathy. The only way we can have that is by seeing people, by huh. getting close to people. That's, it's it. Yeah, that's it. That, you have to get proximity. You have to get close, put down the binoculars. And when that happens, that's when this humaning thing begins to take place. I love it. Dude, it's, I'm, I'm inspired. Yeah, after talking to you, man, I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough, man. I want to oh, do listen. more, dude. Oh, listen. my God. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hold on, Chris. Let me let me just, Chris, if you do any more, I'm going to get on a plane to Birmingham, uh, and I'm going to pull you by whatever little hairs you have right now if you do any more. First of all, <laughs> you, you are a mentor to young black men. You are um, a part of that program. What is it called, by the way? I the 100 know. Black Men. 100, 100 Black Men. You give so much time to that. You wrote a book on on your case. You just authored a book that's going to be coming out called The Case. And it Let's is about go. how a case really affected him. But you talk about how now that helps you place the priority and importance of your family and other mm -hmm. things. You're co-authoring a book on law enforcement and mental health. You are a family man. You are a man of God. I swear, if you do one more thing, Chris, I'm not going to have time for this podcast. <laughs> okay. You and I'll All be right. done. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. But still, no, no, no. But it, it you're right. Truly, it, we it's can truly always inspiring do more. to 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 sit back and listen to some of the things that you're saying, Carlos. It, it really does. I hope that I hope that the people that listen to this podcast, first off, I hope that they go out and get your book because mm, okay. I've been. <laughs> if you notice, I've been looking down at my phone because I'm trying to find it now, uh, so I can order it to my now. house. It is. It, yeah. <laughs> hey, you, also, you also get like a five by seven photo of me that you can put on your nightstand when you yeah, order. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. That sounds. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But, yeah, yeah. You know. I'm on the cover of, my, of your. I, I, I do. I, I did feel today like there were people that, that because the book just came out, people are Instagramming themselves reading the book, right? And it's like right on the beach and like it, it in bed before you sleep or in the carpool line, and, and I just keep laughing because like my face is on the cover of the book, and I'm like. <laughs> Is it weird that I'm just like my face is hanging out with everybody everywhere? That you I'm like, just don't be, just don't be reading my book like on the toilet, like you know, like like just you know, make sure I, that we're not we're not in those kind of spaces together, you know. Dude, I, I can just about tell all you, you probably will be in the toilet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. Come on, and that's where all you men do your thinking that's, and writing. That's right. You know. That's right. This is <laughs> you know. the most calming place there is. No, I appreciate the plug, though. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know, I, I, and you know, and you, I mean, you've got a book, right? So, like, you know, yeah. the work that it goes into it. And, and oh my you, God, yes. When, Dude, uh, so how? Wait a minute. Let me just ask. This is personal yeah. about writing because okay. I, I, I feel you know conflicted when I'm writing yes. my book. Yes, How yes. long did it take you to to write, to sit down and, and yes. write it? Okay, yeah. So, you know, how how to human. Now, listen, listen, Chris, like this is how to human is my fifth book. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, this is 203 pages. Um, every book's different. This book, mm -hmm. I I always tell aspiring authors this, like it takes 80% of my time to outline the book. If I get myself a good and solid outline story arc, then 20% of my time to actually write it. The whole process takes me about a year. You know, it takes, takes me about a year to do the whole thing. But the actual like sitting down, okay, I got the outline, let's go. Da, 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 da. That's probably about a month, just like the writing, the writing piece, you know, so, but, but I spent a big, a big chunk outlining. Okay. So I need to be outlining. That's probably yeah, yeah, part, of yep, that's so, part of my problem. So, so I've been working on this book. Um, the, the case, the one that's coming out uh, probably yeah. at the end of this month. Okay. Um, I've been working on that book for about total. It was actually two years, okay. uh, but I took a two year break because I don't know if you see that back there, but I, I decided to go back to college hey, and, uh, you know, so it, it, I took a two year break uh, for, to, to finish up my degree. I love that. But uh, right after right after I walked off the stage, my wife was like, "Okay, you you need to finish up this book." And and you know, so I started back writing, and I finally finished it up at the end of this year. Good. For uh, you. This next book that we're writing, the the man you are crazy book that we're writing now, that deals with PTSD and law enforcement. So <laughs> the tips, I'm gonna sit down and write out my That's outline. Right. It's your first book. Give yeah. yourself grace. Like I would love to write a book one day. It's a hard the idea job. It terrifies me. 
It is hard, you know, give it, yeah, yeah, give yourself grace. Let other people help you. My first book, Moment Maker, 2014, that thing was a hot mess. It was, it, it was just like, I tell people all the time, they're like, I just got your book, Moment Maker. I was like, no, 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 and you didn't even take like a hiatus. A lot of people when they're writing a book, they're like, I'm not going to do anything for a month. You know, no social media, which I think you even did, Carlos, right? You were like, I got to get off social media for like 30 I, days. I, I did for nine weeks. Yeah. Really. Nine weeks. And, and, uh, and I'll have to come back on the podcast and tell you about that because that was actually for my next book that's coming out in 2024. And I did, I did an experiment that's a secret experiment on myself that nobody knows about. So oh, wow. Dude, you got to break that on on. on but wait, you're going to tell us, right? I'll, I'll tell you what when you hit stop on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. we yeah. are gonna we're gonna have to go then, so we can get some inside information. <laughs> but know, right? um, listen, Carlos, it's been such a pleasure to have you on Crime and Cookie Juice, and to have our listeners. I know that they're going to gain so much insight from this, from your book, even just from following you. We could all use a little bit of encouragement some light right now in these dark times and because people are still so good people yeah. are still so loving and amazing and this is the perfect example of that here we are california girl connecting with a buddy now in nashville and my brother over in birmingham all yep. coming from different places but all connecting and mm -hmm. so thank you so much for sharing this book with us and just your everyday life because you tend yeah. to share a lot of that too i love it yeah. i love you guys i like I, I feel like i got two brand new friends like i want to do cookies and juice every week like like just yeah. let, me, let, let me know you know let me know therapy Dude. session i know right <laughs> carlos you got you got to come back on but i want all of our listeners to know where can they follow you on yeah. social media yeah yeah so instagram is probably the main place uh at l-o-s-w-h-i-t los wit is where I'm there. And then Twitter, I'm on there too, but I always tell people like Instagram and Twitter is like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right. when it comes to like who I am. Like on Twitter, I am like angry. I am like, like, like complaining. I'm like yelling at politicians on Twitter, on, on Instagram. I'm like, Hey everybody, let, let's just get together. You know? So like, you know, you're not it, the only one, you are yeah, not it, the only one. It's like, Twitter, I get a little bit more riled up, but yeah, you, you know, just do that. And then, and then honestly, I got a podcast called human hope uh, that comes out every Thursday. You know, I'd love for people to hop over there, jump jump on the Human Hope bandwagon. And yeah, that's all I do every single week is just try to give people a little bit of hope. So. That's what I'm talking about. And family, there you go. Another amazing episode of the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast. Look, go out, get the book, How to Human, Carlos Whitaker. You've got to follow him on Instagram. Stick with Instagram. Yeah, right, right, right. And and give me your, your, your podcast name again. Human Hope. Human Hope, the podcast. Thanks again, family, for joining us for the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast with your host, Detective Chris Anderson. And Attorney Fatima Silva. We'll see you next week where we'll have more crime. And sip more cookie juice. Good night, y'all. Good night. <laughs>